Guys, we are so glad to be here today, and just we're just blessed that God's given us just another amazing day with great weather to be outside together. And today, as we begin our time of worship, I want us to do something a little different. I want us to have a time of thanksgiving. You know, all over our country, all over all over our world, right now, there are churches and Christians who meet together because of COVID-19, and for whatever reason, God has blessed us with the opportunity to come together. And this morning, I want us to thank him for that. I want us to praise him for that. You know, in Psalm 100, it says this. It says, make a joyful noise unto Jehovah. Serve Jehovah with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that he is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness endures forever and his faithfulness is unto all generations. This morning, let's do that. Let's give thanks to him. Let's come into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. So let's stand up and proclaim his faithfulness today. Oh, just one word, you come the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes the way. There's nothing that our God can do. Just one word, you heal what's broken inside me. Oh, uh-huh. 
weakness and faith today. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like His power. There's nothing that I can't do. There's not a mountain that
church, as we all know, every week here, we take some time to reflect upon Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And you know, there's a song that we're about to sing that calls him a way maker. It calls him a miracle worker. It calls him a promise keeper. And through Jesus' death on the cross, he proved all of those things. He proved that he is the only one who can make a way. He proved that he is the only miracle worker who can take us from death to life. And today, he's made a way for us to be together. So as we take communion today, remember the way he's made a way for you. Remember the way he has made a way for us to be together. Remember that he has made a way for us to be in communion with God. All around this place, we've got tables with communion and offering buckets there for you. So I'm going to pray. And then during this next song, y'all are welcome to go grab communion and then reflect upon it during that time. God, we are so thankful that we can call you our way maker. We are so thankful that we can call you a promise keeper, God, because you proved that you are worthy of that title. You proved that you are worthy of the name above every other name. And we praise you for that name today. The name Jesus, it means God saves. And we pray that we wouldn't let that name lose meaning. We wouldn't let what you did for us lose its meaning to us because it's because communion is something we do every week, God, but let it be a weekly reminder of your sacrifice and of your love for us, God. And we praise you for being our way maker, for being our promise keeper, for being the light in the midst of our darkness, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
stop working you never stop you never stop working because even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working
I think we're good. I think we're good. As long as I have a seat, man. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, have you seen him working? Maybe. That, that seemed kind of weak. <laughs> have you seen him working? All right. Because even when you don't see it, he's still working. All right. I could. We can. Before I jump in, here's what. How many of you? How many of you, this is your first time back in in-person live worship since March 15th? Raise your hand. All right. Welcome. Welcome. All right. Here's the other deal. If this is your first time ever <clears throat> at a Shelby Christian worship event, we've got a gift for you. Uh, it's straight back in a white tent. Uh, Tony Howard's back there waving. All right. And they'll meet you back there. We got a gift for you on your way out today. Uh, we just love to say thanks for you being here and worshiping with us this morning. Do you appreciate the band and the worship team? They rolled in here this morning. Thanks, man. They rolled in here this morning at 6.30. Maybe even a little bit before baseball. Alright? They rolled in here at 6.30, started setting all this stuff up. And when we're done, they got to take it all down. So if you've got a few minutes when we're done, we could use a little muscle here and there, moving some stuff out. So I appreciate that. Appreciate uh, Wayne and his and Tom and Lynn over here and Cash over here and Travis and everybody. Travis, you're doing an awesome job with lights today, man. Lights are awesome. Lights are awesome. Hey, can you, how many of you guys have been here like every year when we've done this in the morning, like for five years in a row? Can you believe it? Five years in a row, the first Sunday of August, and it hasn't been over 85 degrees yet. I mean, that's incredible what God has done, and we get to do this stuff. Man, I'm so, so thankful, and uh, just, uh, man, it's what an awesome, awesome, awesome day. Uh, you probably saw on the news this week some stuff that wasn't so awesome, didn't you? Uh, you saw stuff locally that wasn't so awesome. Uh, there was a tragic situation in Uganda with one of our kids. And and then, man, did you guys see that bomb go off in Beirut? If we were at church this morning and I had the screen to where we could show video, we would have watched that just in case you didn't see the magnitude of that. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've seen, I've seen grainy footage that probably a lot of you guys have seen of Hiroshima and Nagasaki when the atomic bomb went off. But but when that blast went off in Beirut this week, I mean, it just, when I saw it the first time, it just took my breath. I just couldn't imagine anything that big because the people that were, were filming it just on cell phones because they saw a fire and they thought, hey, wonder what's going on. They start filming. They're not just like a block away. I mean, they're thousands of yards away and the magnitude of that was just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And then the reality of what had happened, we start finding out that there was this ship that had been in the harbor there in the Lebanese port since 2013. Been there since 2013, full of ammonia nitrate, which is commercial fertilizer, which is the same thing that was used to blow up the building in Oklahoma City. It's volatile, it's dangerous. 
and, and the, the director of customs in Lebanon said that he had repeatedly sent letters and made phone calls warning the government, <coughs> warning people that it was like a floating bomb just sitting there waiting to go off. And, and so finally a little spark and a fire is set off and the results are devastating. The numbers they are giving or something like hundreds of people presumed dead, thousands are injured, hundreds of thousands are homeless, billions of dollars are needed to rebuild. And I really think those last two numbers are the only two numbers that are anywhere near accurate. I don't think we'll ever know the death toll. I don't think we'll ever know the death toll and, and maybe not the total injury toll. So I was, I was watching that this week, and I was thinking about this message we're in Luke chapter 17 in our year-long study of the gospel of Luke. And we're in a mini-series portion of that. They were talking about how Jesus is the keeper of our heart. And I started thinking about that last week. Is that you've got this massive, massive amount of this volatile material that's been left unchecked, repeated warnings that are left unheeded, an explosion just waiting to happen. So what do we got? Volatile material. Unheeded warnings. Disaster. And in our life, it reminds me of how, for many of us, we have these ingredients. Bitterness. Resentment. Unforgiveness. That, that if, they, if they go off, if they explode, if we don't deal with them, they can destroy us. Now, in this study of the Gospel of Luke, we've, we've seen a lot of passages and things remind us from the Old Testament. And the Old Testament reminds us that we need to guard our heart above all things. Sure, the brain controls the body, our mind, but the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart represents everything that makes us human. It's our identity, our character, our choices, our passions, our hopes, and our dreams. And today we're going to see that forgiveness, forgiveness lies at the center of a healthy heart, a guarded heart. And it's more than, it's just one more building block in a life that's devoted to God. Now, as I said, we're in Luke chapter 17. If you brought your Bible or if you got your phone or your tablet and you want to access it, we're in the first 10, we're in the first 10 verses. Of Luke 17. Now, <clears throat> depending on what version you read, if you scroll through that, if you look at it, it's going to look like it's just a kind of a potpourri or a hodgepodge of different topics that are listed there. But I think the more that I dug into that, and look, although forgiveness is mentioned, I think forgiveness is at the root of it all. Because think of it this way. Last week, we finished looking at this story of this rich guy, this rich guy who ignored a poor guy until after they were both dead. And Jesus has told that story to kind of try to get their attention about making wise choices. And now in Luke 17, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he has this divine appointment with the cross that's going to change the world forever. And now he turns his focus to sin in general and how you and I, how we, how he would, how we respond when someone sins against us. During this final month, these final weeks of Jesus' ministry, I think he focuses teaching on two groups. He focuses teaching on his disciples and the Pharisees. If you think of it another way, his disciples and the Pharisees, his followers and his enemies. He's trying to 
teach his disciples how to take this thing and run with it after he's gone. And he's trying to give like one last chance to the Pharisees through these warnings that he keeps giving them about how they're living their life. And today, I think in Luke 17, we're going to see he deals with forgiveness. The first thing I think we're going to see is that forgiveness is necessary because of sin. It's necessary because of sin. Look at the first two verses, Luke chapter 17, okay? It says, and, and Jesus says to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. They're definitely coming. But woe to the one through whom they come. Notice that. Through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to stumble and to fall into sin. See, sin is inevitable. That's the basic, we know that. Sin is inevitable. That phrase that you see there in verse 1, sure to come or surely will come, that comes from a Greek word that we would most literally translate inevitable. Sin is inevitable. And we live in a fallen and broken world. By the time that Jesus is speaking this, we're well into the Genesis 3 world of sin. And he said that sin's out there. But this word, this word that is used here, it's a Greek word, scandalon. Scandalon. Does it sound familiar? It's only used this one time in the New Testament, but it's a verb meaning to spring forward and back and slam shut or to close something scandalon and due to this genesis 3 world sin the scandal of sin is here it was unleashed in the garden of eden eden and, and the warning here is to one through whom do you see that there do you see that in verse two or excuse me at the very end of verse one it said sin is sure to come sin is gonna come there's an evil one that's prowling, seeking whom he may devour. Sin is sure to come, but woe to the one through whom someone else is brought down. Jesus is saying <clears throat> to his disciples on one hand, be careful how you lead and teach. He's saying to Pharisees that thought they knew all the answers that ruled over people, tried to hold things over people, tried to force people into compliance, religious compliance. Jesus is saying, woe to who causes someone else to fall into that sin that is inevitable. You see, forgiveness is going to be necessary as long as there's sin. We, we live in a world full of traps, don't we? And that word scandal, which came also from the word scandalin, the word scandal, it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. We see it all the time. We, we hear about it all the time. And, and what we have to do as, as followers, if that's who you are, if you have made that decision to be a follower of Christ, we have to do everything in our power not to allow ourselves to become someone else's trap. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's by things like direct temptation. Very intentional, false teachers, people that are just teaching the wrong thing for their advantage, trying to take advantage of us. And we've got to be careful of that. Sometimes it's an indirect temptation, unintentional things, things that are just kind of part of who we are living in this world, things that grab a hold of us, things like greed and pride and fear and addictions and compulsive behavior. 
Sometimes it's by a sinful example from someone else, just careless. Someone just being careless. A couple weeks ago we talked about integrity. We talked about how one of the things that people say is a definition of an integrity uh, of integrity is who you are when no one's looking. And we talked about how in the reality is someone's always looking. And sometimes that carelessness causes people to fall into sin. Sometimes it's just by out and out false teaching. Godless false teaching. But I want you to notice here in this text in verse 2 of Luke 17 when it says little ones. I want you to see something. When he says little ones here, he is not referring to a chronological age. He is referring to a spiritual age. He's referring to those that are new in their faith. Those that maybe are easily swayed one way or another. And he says, what are those that take someone, a young a young follower, and lead them in the wrong direction? people that are young in their faith. The warning, I think, is primarily aimed at the Pharisees who are causing people to stumble by, by spreading all kinds of lies about Jesus. But the disciples the disciples also had to pay attention because anyone who causes someone else to stumble would be held accountable by God. Sometimes people just don't even understand the platform they have. It, it, all, all the years that I've, I've worked in coaching and, and coaching young people, and especially getting to the high school and college level of coaching, uh, I would always talk to young athletes about the platform they had, especially good athletes. They would understand, you've got a platform that's been given you. Sometimes it's through athletics. Sometimes it's through things like acting. Sometimes it's through a position in life. Sometimes through it's an elected office. But people have platforms in life, and sometimes they don't realize how that platform can be used either for good or for causing someone to stumble. Payne Stewart was an incredible, incredible golfer. This week I've been watching the PGA Championship, uh, and it's hard to believe that it's been nearly 21 years, nearly 21 years since Payne Stewart died tragically at the age of 42. Some of you probably remember that bizarre story. Some of you don't even know who Payne Stewart is. Payne Stewart was one of the best golfers on the planet. And 21 years ago, he and five other people suffocated on board of a Lear jet that had an oxygen, a pressure malfunction. And they all passed out while the plane was still flying. Remember the reports that day coming out and, and that the Air Force sent up jets fighter jets that were able to get up and fly right next to it, and they were able to see into the cockpit and see that nobody inside of the plane was conscious. And the plane was still flying, and it was just a matter of waiting until the plane ran out of fuel, which it did over South Dakota, and crashed. And all aboard, if they weren't already dead, died in that crash. It was tragic. Payne Stewart was one of the most recognizable golf players uh, in the world because he wore the knickers and he wore the little hat. He always matched. He was the only one that still did that. And, And while his career and his wardrobe made him known all around the world, the last couple years of his life, the thing that he became known for was that he had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. See, early in his career, that was not the case. Early in his career, when he was a young gun on the tour, he had this surly demeanor and this arrogant disposition. Uh, He was oftentimes very insensitive people, but in the end, he became very sensitive, very gracious, a a man who had a relationship with his his family and got involved and actively involved in his church, joined a small group, began to each day's morning with devotions and, and was said to be happier 
than he'd ever been in his life. That's what his friend said. His young son, who was uh, uh, one of the ones that helped guide him to that decision of faith and pulled him to church, he gave his dad one of the WWJD bracelets that Payne Stewart always wore when he was playing golf at the end. He won the U.S. Open, the ultimate challenge of golf, the year before he died. He proudly celebrated with his WWJD bracelet, understanding his platform, and he gave all the glory to Jesus Christ. That would not have been Payne Stewart 20 years earlier when he was a young gun in his career, but that's where he was then. And at his memorial service, another Christian golfer, Paul Azinger, said this, and I want to quote this to you. He said, for many years, it Payne Stewart was first in Payne Stewart's life. But several years ago, that began to change. We all saw his pride and sarcasm begin to soften. Pain became gracious in victory and also gracious in defeat. And then this is what Paul Ezinger uh, said. He said, only God can do that. Because only God can change hearts. You see, forgiveness is necessary because of sin. And we've got to, as we, as we ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness, but we've got to let God change hearts. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel the prophet said, I will give you, speaking for God, says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Azinger was right. Only God can change hearts. And so as we talk about Jesus being the keeper of our heart, we got to understand that forgiveness is important and it's necessary because of sin. But we got to also understand it's mandatory because God says so. Forgiveness is mandatory because God says so. If you got your Bible, look back. Verse 3, look what it says. <laughs> I love these first four words. Pay attention to yourself. Y'all seen the video, right? A little girl in a car seat. Like, you worry about your own self. You know, she just keeps saying it. You worry about your own self. I, I think Jesus is kind of saying, hey, don't forget about yourself. You worry about yourself. Don't be pointing at somebody else's sin. You worry about yourself. You worry about yourself. And then he goes on to say, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Tell him. But if he repents, forgive him. If he gets, sins against you seven times in a day, <clears throat> and turns to you seven times and says, I'm sorry, I repent, you must forgive him. See, the Bible tells us that sin is or forgiveness is necessary because of sin, but it's mandatory because God through Jesus right here is telling us that. And see, now we, we, we clearly, we all clearly are called to avoid sin ourselves, right? Worry about your own self. You know, clean your side of the street, right? Get that, get everything, you know, take care, take care of your own business. But we're also called while we're doing that to think about others. But I want to point out what Galatians church. Galatians chapter six, he starts off and says in verse one, brothers, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Be kind, be nice. But then look what he says at the end of verse one. But keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. See, if you're not careful, you'll be pointing out someone else's sin and not forgiving that, and you yourself will fall into that. He says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing. Let me read that again. 
If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. See, you know, we got to do some heart surgery. Heart examinations are not fun. I know there's a bunch of you sitting out there right now that have a scar all the way down through your chest. And there's, there's been some time, some thing, some reason in life that they've, they've opened you up. They maybe, if they didn't have to open you up all the way, they went in and put a stint in because there was something that was not flowing right in your heart. And they had to fix that. And we've all got to be willing to admit when there's something that's not right in our heart. See, your, your doctor might stumble on it. Your doctor might stumble on something just in a routine exam and say, hey, something doesn't look right here. But most of the time, most of the time they're going to find it when they examine your heart. See, we're clearly called by God to confront sin in others, but we're also called to give forgiveness. We're called to give it immediately in verse 3. We're called to give it repeatedly. See that, that, that number there? He, he talked about seven because it's interesting. You see, in, 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 in Judaism, in Judaism, the number was three. It was three times that you were supposed to forgive someone. Three times. So, so the disciples have been talking to Jesus about seven. That's blowing it up. Jesus will later say 70 times seven, right? It's like, whatever you think you've done, man, you just need to take it farther. You need to take it farther. Here's the last thing we got to look at this morning. Forgiveness is necessary because of sin. It's mandatory because God says so. But if you start reading in verse 5, you'll see forgiveness is possible. And that's, do you hear that? Forgiveness is possible because of faith. Look at verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had the faith like grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, planted in the sea, and it will obey. See, what the disciples understood, Jesus starts talking to them about forgiveness, and the, the disciples say, like, I don't think I can do that, Jesus. I don't think I, do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they've said to me? And, they, and I don't think I can do this. And so they say, Would you, you're going to have to increase our faith. You're going to have to give me a little bit more faith. You're going to have to pump me up a little bit or I'm not going to be able to do that. You remember earlier in our study of Luke when Jesus healed the lame man, his friends brought to him. They carried him. We don't know how far, but quite a distance in a bed sheet. And, and then they, they dug a hole in the roof because they couldn't get in the front door. And they lowered the man right at Jesus' feet. And Jesus looked up and he said, I haven't seen faith like this before. And because of your faith, because of your faith, you are forgiven. That's what Jesus said. Because of your faith, you're forgiven. And people say, well, how do you, who do you think you are for saying that he's forgiven? What are, you, what are you talking about forgiven? And Jesus said, which is easier to do, to forgive someone of their sins or to heal them? <laughs> he said, the healing stuff you're worried about, that's nothing. I got that. <laughs> Let's deal with the real thing here. Let's deal with what's really important here. This guy, yeah, he can't walk, but more than anything else, he needs to be forgiven of his sins. And these guys have shown great faith and brought him, so you're forgiven. Oh, by the way, get up and walk. 
and he did. See, see what, what we need to understand here. These disciples are just like us. There's times when they I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. This pandemic has stunk. This has been the worst six months of my life. I, I, can't, I can't sleep at night. I can't think because there's so many things that I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid that people are going to survive this pandemic. We're going to get through this race stuff that's going on. We're going to get over it. And if we're not careful, we're going to survive all that and people are going to die and go to hell. And it's been driving me absolutely crazy. I can't sleep at night. And, and, and this, this passage has talked to me this week about, well, I've been saying, God, increase our faith. Can you fix this? And God's been saying, I got this. I got this. Just do what you need to do. Just do what you need to do. This, to me this week, he said, just go talk about forgiveness. Just go talk about forgiveness. Jesus reminds them they all have the ability to forgive Jesse's command. He says, first of all, he says, don't panic. He says, that mulberry tree, you know why you chose a mulberry tree? Jesus was such a great teacher. He didn't just pick a tree. Mulberry trees have some of the deepest and widest spreading roots that there are. And so Jesus said, see that mulberry tree? You got a faith. You can move it. I'm telling you, you've already got it. You've already got If you pray hard enough, you can move that tree. And he's pointing out a tree that would be the hardest tree to move. Notice he didn't say, see that Bradford pear over there? I mean, you can just blow real hard and knock that one down. All right? That mulberry tree, you can move it. And then he said, don't argue. The last part of this section, we don't have time to read, verses 7 through 10. In this final few verses of this section, Jesus reminds them that, that a servant or a worker is not rewarded or commended for doing what they're supposed to do. It's like an employee. You, you, don't, you don't get a bonus at work just because you show up and do what you're supposed to do. You get a bonus when you go beyond, when you do extra. And he said, you guys, follow me. It's not a bonus just for doing what you're supposed to do. Just do what you're supposed to do. Don't argue about it. Don't panic. Do what we need to. We don't need more faith. We just need to use the faith we have. See, I hear a lot of times, I hear people, I hear people wasting out. I just want to know what God wants me to do. I just want to, I just, I'm just going to sit right here. I'm not going to do anything until God tells me what he wants me to do. I'm just sitting here waiting on a word from God. He's already given it. He's already given it. And we waste so much of our time trying to get a new word from God. And we ain't doing what he already told us to do. And part of what he told us to do is, you've got to be willing to forgive. It's necessary. It's mandatory. And it's possible because of faith. 20 years ago, 20 years ago this coming Wednesday, the Russian submarine Kursk sank 350 feet. That's not all that deep for a sub, but there was trouble. It sank 350 feet to the bottom of the Barents Sea with 118 seamen aboard. Rescue attempts were made and they were all fruitless. They failed. Uh, getting a team in place took valuable time. The escape hatch, escape hatch was damaged and unusable. And finally, when they got there, they realized that 95 of the sailors had died instantly from the explosion that led to the sinking of the submarine. But 28 
28 of the men died in the days to come. Buried 350 feet deep in a capsule that they knew they couldn't get out of. And they found writings from the men, and you can imagine what they wrote. I was thinking about Payne Stewart and his friends. They passed out. They just passed out. They just fell asleep and didn't know what was going on. But these guys, they knew. Can you imagine what it must have been like on board that submarine trap for days, knowing the time is running out, the stifling fear of wondering what it would be like to suffocate when the oxygen supply is finally used up? And then this week, the exact opposite. Thousands of lives suddenly devastated. Suddenly devastated. People driving across a bridge, videotaping a fire on their phone, mile away, and suddenly their vehicle's blown off the bridge. See, we don't know if it's going to happen quick. We don't know how long it's going to take. But friends, there are a lot of people in this world who have placed themselves in the same desperate predicament and they don't even realize it. They're sitting in a suddenly volatile situation and they don't know what to do with it. And through bitterness and resentment, they wrap themselves in this airtight cocoon of unforgiveness, which at first seems like a shield against future pain. But all it takes... Is one tiny spark to ignite a destructive force in their lives. The breathtaking explosion of unforgiveness. See, God says we can't be forgiven unless we forgive until we find some way out of this self-created prison that we fashion in our heart. We're hopeless. Jesus wants to be the keeper of your heart. See, the bottom line is, take this home with you. Tweet this out. Share it with anybody you can. The keeper of our heart is also the healer of our heart. Some of you came here today brokenhearted. Jesus wants to offer forgiveness. Here's what I'm going to ask. I didn't tell these guys, so I'm sorry, but I'm just going to ask. Uh, I know we've got some of our staff guys sitting around, uh, some of our elders sitting around. So if any of our staff and elders, can you guys come down to the front down here? And uh, maybe some people just need someone to pray with them um, and do it, social distancing and all that. Maybe someone here today is ready to say, Jesus, I want you to be the keeper of my heart forever. I want to give you my heart today. And so, like I said, we've got some of our staff, some of our elders are going to be down here. I'm going to ask you guys to stand right now. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And before we sing, before you move, I want to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to lead you in some things that I think we need to pray about, okay? In this moment, would you think of that person that you most need to forgive? That person that you most need to forgive? Their name in your mind and think about what they did to you. Be honest.
and now, now would you, would you think about your most plaguing sin? Name it in your mind what you struggle with the most. Think about how many times you've had to ask God to forgive you for it. Be honest. And now, just one more time. Would you ask Him to forgive you of that sin? And would you ask Him to help you forgive that one who has sinned against you? And help Him to build your life and for you to build your life on Him. God, we give all these things to you. We give all these situations to you. God, we pray that forgiveness will rain down, that you'll touch our hearts, that you will, in fact, be the keeper of our hearts, that you will change hearts today, that God, right now, you're doing open-heart surgery, that you're working on people's hearts. Some just need a stint, but some need a new valve. Some need a new vein. Some need a bypass. God, would you do the surgery that people need, that we all need in our heart, so that we can work through this issue of forgiveness, so that it won't blow up and leave us stranded. And God, I pray if there are those that are ready to give their life to you today, that you'll give them the courage to do that. If there are those that need someone to pray with them, you'll give them the courage to come and just pray with one of these wonderful men of faith that are down here. And God, we pray all this in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. In this moment, if you need to make a decision while we sing, why don't you come or just make the decision where you are. Let's sing together. sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus the name above every other name say you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you and holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my Every breath we could ever breathe.
have a seat for just a second. Jason, can you hang down here and have our school prayer? One of the things that we do every year at this event, we can't do this year. And it's one of the most special things we do. And that is when we pray for our students and our teachers. And uh, it's, it's, it's awesome when there's a mob down here. But uh, we still feel like that's, this is the year to do that. Uh, so just a minute to close the service. I'm going to ask uh, Jason as our impact pastor and just kind of leads a lot of the stuff that we do in the schools uh, to lead us in prayer. But here's what I, hey, let me make just real quick. So I want to finish with the prayer. So let me make three really quick announcements, okay? First of all, uh, it was great to be out here today. It was great for everybody just to show up. And, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. We want to let you know next week we're back. We're back on the hill. Uh, start, you know, we didn't, we didn't ask you to register for today. We're not going to ask you to register anymore. Just 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30 show up next week. All right. Just show up. Now we are going to ask you to be smart. We're going to ask you to social distance. We're going to ask you to wear masks if you're really close to somebody and be kind and do that. Uh, but let's just, we're going to come back and we're going to worship. Okay. Uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, uh, for those of you who might be interested, there's this really cool thing that's been going on for about a month now. Uh, I've taken a break for a couple weeks. But there's this street revival that's been going on in Martinsville at Mosedale Park. Uh, and it's at 7 o'clock. It starts back up tonight. And I'm preaching tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So uh, if you guys want to come out and just bring a lawn chair like this, if it's not storming or whatever. Uh, and so just... To, Mosdale Park in Martinsville. I'd love to see you tomorrow night at seven o'clock uh, out there. And then finally, for your lady, our ladies, uh, we need to pray this virus away, and we need it out of here soon. Tomorrow will be great, but we really need it out of here for sure by March fifth and sixth next year, twenty twenty one. Uh, because we are hosting the Fresh Grounded Faith Tour once again with Jennifer Rothschild. Uh, we'll be here, and some of you ladies know that was an awesome, awesome, I mean, packed out event uh, when we had it last time. There is a kickoff rally for those that would like to volunteer, be willing to help uh, with that. Uh, that is September the 15th at 6.30. September the 15th at 6.30. Uh, and if you got more questions about what it looks like, what you could do, how you could help, uh, you could see my daughter or wandering around or my wife, and they can give you answers about that, all right? Here's what I want to do to close. I'm going to ask Jason to have the prayer. But if, if you are a student that, uh, whether you're doing it in TI or you're going back in person or right now still don't know, if you are a student still in school, would you stand up wherever you're at, if you don't mind? But all of our students stand up. And we got a bunch of them down uh, in the children's ministry, all right? We want to pray for these guys. If you are one of our teachers or school administrators or people who work in the school system, would you stand up along with them as well? We want to pray for you guys, especially thank you all for what you do. Thank you all for what you do. And so this will be uh, how we'll, we'll close today. It's been great. There's the golf scramble at 1 o'clock. Feel free to hang around however long you want. Uh, But we're going to close the morning and our official time uh, by Jason leading us in prayer. Would you guys pray with me?
we're so thankful that we can just lay all of our concerns, our fears, and our anxiety, and everything that's wrapped around this this impending season of, of school starting back up, the, the decisions that are being made, and the unknown that is kind of out there hovering over all of us as parents, as teachers, as students, as school administrators. God, we know that in the middle of, of all of this, that you are still in control, that your spirit still moves amongst your people, and that you still have a plan and a purpose for every student teacher, person who will be in the building this year, that will be online working with students this year. And God, we don't know what the next days and weeks and months are going to look like when it concerns our schools. And we are, you know us because you created us and you know that we like to be people who can plan and prepare and put things on calendars and work toward goals and have an end in mind. And that's really hard to do right now. But we know that this is all in your hands. And so, God, I want to pray for our our youngest students, our preschoolers, our kindergartners, our elementary age students, God, as they, um, some of those who may potentially be walking into a school building here in a few weeks if that is the decision that's made. God, that you would protect them. You would protect them and that you would... You would watch over them and that they could have an incredible experience with their teachers and their classmates. God, I want to pray for our middle school students, our high school students, that that going into a middle school or a high school on a regular a day is a daunting task. Um, but God, this year it almost seems like an insurmountable ask. But God, I pray for our students. I pray for our middle school students and our high school students that if and when they get to go into their schools, when they uh, rub shoulders with their friends, when they talk to their classmates and their teachers and their teammates, God, that they would understand that they have been called by you to share your love in that place, that that is their mission field. That team, that class, that group of students, those teachers, God, that they would understand that if they walk in your ways, they've been called to be light, to be salt in those places. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to be bold, to forgive, to seek forgiveness, to look for opportunities to share your love. I pray for courage to say the right things, to do the right things, even in the midst of of a a crowd that's maybe going the opposite direction, that you would allow them a platform to act upon, to speak upon. And that rock and that foundation is Jesus. And God, I pray that for our students. God, I pray for our college students who are are going back maybe onto a campus this fall, that you would protect them physically and emotionally and spiritually, and that you would just watch over them as well. 
on those campuses. And God, I pray for our teachers. I know that many of them are scared to death. We can sympathize with that. And we understand that. Now there are families that are concerned because they're sending a loved one potentially back into a classroom this fall. There's so many unanswered questions. So we're just concerned. And we don't know what to do. But we know you do. And so God, I pray that you would just be with our teachers. That you would give them a boldness. You would give them the courage. That you would protect them. You would protect their physical health. God, that there would be something that would miraculously move over our schools in this community. And there wouldn't be an outbreak. And this thing would, would go away. And, and, and we would celebrate and we would give you all the praise and all the glory for that miracle happening in this community, in our country, and around the world. And God, that's what we pray. We pray that you would just vanquish this thing from our land. That we, would, we could go on and we could get back to whatever normal looks like in the future. But we know that you have plans for our church. We know that you have plans for this community. God, I know that you are doing some incredible things in the Shelby County school systems this year. And God, I know that you want to move in mighty ways in the walls of those buildings, in the hearts of those students. And so God, I pray that anything that would stand in the way of that would be removed. It would, it would, it would just be gone. God, we just lift this school year up to you. Use it in a mighty way. We love you. Thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Have an incredible, incredible week. Oh.